Berkeley Yeast, creators of the bioengineered yeast, Tropics, and the newly launched Sunburst Chico, are now offering free overnight shipping on domestic orders of $1,000 or more. All California orders ship free. Berkeley Yeast, ordinary yeast made extraordinary. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. Everybody knows that yeast plays one of the most important roles in brewing, no matter the style and recipe you choose. Yeast simultaneously influences flavor, aroma, acidity, brightness, and mouthfeel and brewing a lager is no exception. Discover our entire SAF lager range at fermentus.com, where you'll find yeast for traditional to modern style lagers. What you're about to hear originally aired in June of 2018. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. Yeah, basically the concept here is to think uh, about yeast uh, the same way you think about the hops and malt, okay? This week on the show, active dry yeast. We discuss several studies ranging from shelf life to performance versus freshly propagated yeast to applications in bottle conditioning. One great topic with two great guests. Hi, my name is Marcelo Saldan. I am the sales director for the Americas for Fermentis Active Dry Yeast. Hi, my name is Kevin Lane. I'm the technical sales manager of the United States and Canada for Fermentus Yeast. You put together a poster for the 2017 Master Brewers Conference that was a review of active dry yeast, its shelf life, and consistency. Give listeners the big picture here. Yes, um, the idea of this poster was, um, of course, this poster is the result of uh, a lot of research um, because we have many questions, a lot of questions from the industry uh, about the, the shelf life and the stability of the yeast. Okay? We know that the active dry yeast uh, contain just a little bit of water. Um, this is a, the main principle why the yeast is stable. But of course, uh, after years and years of experience, accumulating experience within Le Safre, uh, which is our uh, uh, mother company, uh, we decided to review the consistency uh, of the active dry yeast during the time. Because of, of course, the technology changed. We improved uh, the processes 
um, I think it was time to, to check again and to revalidate our initial concepts of the stability. And of course, we found that uh, we, we were able to extend our um, shelf life uh, from two to three years. This is the main conclusion of the study. Okay, let's hear about how active dry yeast is produced. Okay, uh, active dry yeast, um, there are similar points uh, to the yeast propagation in the breweries, uh, but of course there, there are some differences. We start from pure cultures, okay, we, we check the purity of these strains in the lab, and then we ship slants to different plants across the world. Um, what we do, we have a, a last phase, a laboratory phase, where we propagate under sterility, and then we go to the industrial phase. Okay? Uh, in that industrial phase, what we do is we use a technology we call fed batch technology. Okay? Basically, what we do is we produce biomass. We inject air, a lot of uh, air, and also we keep the sugar concentrations very low in order to uh, avoid the production of alcohol. So all the sugars we add in that fermentation process are used to uh, produce biomass. And then after we, of course, after we grow the yeast, then we need to go through the drying process. It's not a single step. We have about three steps. The first one is a centrifugation where we reach about 18, 20% dry matter. And then we, we have a vacuum drying filter uh, process where we reach about uh, 30, 32% dry matter. And then we have the, what we call the drying process where we get about 94, 96% dry matter. That's uh, the, the most important uh, part of the process because of course we need to use heat, but we, need, we use a fluid bed technology. Um, in that process, what we do is we add um, uh, hot air, dry air, and all this energy is used to, to extract the water uh, from the yeast cells. But uh, during this process, we manage, uh, we manage the process in order to avoid the yeast being heated by, by, by the by air. Okay? So basically, people think that we heat the yeast and that we kill the yeast, but all the energy coming from the air is used just to uh, extract the water. Something that's interesting to add to that is that each strain is slightly different in the production process. So it's not just one recipe that's applied to all of them in terms of the drying. Rather, it's kind of somewhat unique to each strain because each strain is capable of handling that process in the drying process slightly differently. Interesting. And of course, uh, something to add to, to this comment is that strains are different and we can see in this study, for example, we can point the differences between lagers and eggs. The use of active dry yeast in breweries only has about a 20-year history. Tell us about that evolution, and you also mentioned that the process has changed a bit too, so talk about that. Part of the reason for this study was to, to try to show the consistency over time with what's currently available in the market. So. 20 years ago, we didn't have the same technology that we have today. And what we've done, at least what we've tried to show with the study, is that things have come a long way from 20 years ago to today. Um, the use of dry yeast really, in today's market, allows for breweries, especially craft breweries, to diversify their, their yeast cultures that they use in the brewery. So 
with the dry use, you don't need a propagation system to be using it. It's directly applicable to fermentation, which allows you to be much more dynamic in the, the strains that you use. Yeah, basically the concept here is to think uh, about yeast uh, the same way you think about hops and malt, okay? For each recipe, you select the active dry yeast or you want to use for the process. That's the novelty we brought for, for the industry, the most important. Uh, and of course, you, you can detach for difficult practices for, for the small brewers like the propagation. So we respect the propagation. I think it's something uh, that it's very important uh, for, for a lot of breweries. But when you are small, uh, and you have to take care of about a lot of uh, things in the brewery. It's very difficult to handle that process correctly and, and to avoid uh, issues with contamination, for example, of the, um, the quality of the yeast. There are several independent studies that your poster summarizes. I'd like you to walk us through each one. Let's start with the most recent shelf life study that was presented at the 2017 European Brewing Congress. Okay, uh, what, I can, what do we show here? First of all, we, we developed uh, different tests in order to, to study the, the shelf life of the yeast. Of course, the first problem we have is that uh, if we need to develop a, a method just to mimic the, 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 the aging process, okay? Because otherwise we, we, we have to wait three, four years, okay? Um, it's, it's, what, uh, it's something that we developed internally in, inside the software, okay? Um, that test allows us to do a forced aging test, which is basically to subject the, the yeast cultures to high temperatures in, in, in some conditions, okay? So basically what we see uh, one month in these conditions mimic the aging in one year in normal conditions, okay? That's the first step. After... We set up this, this methodology, um, then we decided, okay, we need to validate uh, that technology um, with the process, with the nature, uh, natural aging process, okay? It means that, in fact, we, we have to compare. We, we have been accumulating for years different samples, um, and then we, we validate, we cross the, the information in order to be sure that the test was correct. Okay, that was the first uh, the first step of the study, and then we subjected the different easy strains. Um, uh, and we compared the force agent testing and the natural uh, agent testing. Um, and of course, we found interesting things. We found that there are some easy strains that are very robust, and some others that are more uh, weak. And with, as I said before, we found also important differences between ale strains and lager strains. Do you want to comment on how storage conditions affect shelf life? So, for example, you know, if brewers are storing uh, the active dry yeast either in refrigerated conditions or frozen or at room temperature and so on. So really the best storage conditions for our active dry yeast is to be refrigerated. Um, and that is, it's ideal. So our yeast can be frozen and it can be stored at ambient temperatures. We don't usually recommend storing the yeast at warmer than ambient temperature, 20 degrees C, 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, because the warmer you go, typically the faster you have a loss of viability and a loss of the fermentative power. 
Um, but within that range from frozen to ambient temperature, there are differences over time, but they're not immensely different. Um, some of the, the graphs do get into that information a little bit, um, showing that really the most consistent fermentation is when you have yeast refrigerated for the certain period of time, whether that be one year, two year, or three year. Coming up. So it really shows, you know, with the same strain, whether it's freshly propagated or dried yeast, you end up with the same profile of the beer. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Sponsored by BSG, distributors of Gambrinus Malting, Canada's original small batch artisanal malt house. If you've been searching for the perfect malt that's not quite pale and not Munich, you're in luck. Gambrinus Vienna is the malt you've been looking for. This mellow kilned malt has a balanced, bready character with notes of honey, toffee, and caramel baked in. With a gorgeous golden color, it's ideal for adding depth without too much sweetness. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Positively impact your process, product, and profitability with actionable insights from BrewIQ, the industry-leading real-time fermentation monitoring solution. Visit www.precisionfermentation.com backslash MBAA to start saving time and money today. Grist Analytics is the leading quality and production control software platform built by and for craft brewers. The unique cloud-based application gives the unprecedented ability to capture data your way and correlate it across the brewery. Get real-time feedback on the brew deck, analyze correlations from the lab, and track brewery performance while listening to this podcast. Grist Analytics helps you skip past hours of sorting through spreadsheets and paper logs to making informed decisions that drive efficiency and deliver better beer with confidence. GristAnalytics.com are you sure you're getting the best deal? Visit the Lupulin Exchange, where you can find every hop variety, every brand, and every vendor. Compare prices, reviews, shipping speeds, reliability, and more on over a million pounds shipping direct from every hop merchant and grower in the U.S. The Lupulin Exchange. One stop, all the hops. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Georgia presents Evaluation of Aging Beers with Jen Blair, July 29th at Stats Brew Pub in Atlanta. 
The District Texas Annual Summer Meeting at End of the Hills and Kerrville is August 4th through the 6th. District Midwest has a summer meeting August 5th at the Yellow Springs Barrel Room. District Milwaukee meets at the Molson Coors Miller Inn September 21st. The world-famous Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins September 29th. The 2023 Master Brewers Conference will be October 6th through the 8th in Seattle, Washington. District Michigan's fall meeting will be at Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids October 19th. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Haven't joined Master Brewers? Now's the time. Just for listening to the Master Brewers podcast, become a member for $123 for the year. Head over to mbaa.com and use code BEER2023 when you join. Back to the show. Okay, well, let's get into some of the other uh, studies, and maybe if you can comment more on the, you know, some of the different performance parameters. So, some of the conditions, some of the parameters that we were measuring and comparing were number one, the the uh, viability of the yeast over time. So how much viable yeast you have over the years versus freshly dried yeast. And then additionally, the fermentative power, which is really the the rate of fermentation um, for the yeast during fermentation, comparing that year to year. And then went as far as to compare the volatile compounds, the esters and the higher alcohols at the end of fermentation and the amount of time that the fermentation took. So really it's comparing the health of the yeast over the time, but also the beer that's resulting from the fermentation, whether or not it matches the beer that was made when the yeast was freshly dried versus three years down the road. And really that's where the consistency comes in, um, is that you see very similar if not almost identical, um, volatile compounds produced during fermentation and the rate and completion of fermentation following essentially the same line. Beyond shelf life, brewers are probably most interested in understanding how active dry yeast stacks up to the same strain of freshly propagated yeast. Talk about that. Okay, well, we have some studies that uh, I think were done by the end of the 90s. Um, those uh, studies were performed at the BRI in, in the UK. Um, in fact, in the poster, we showed some results with lager yeast. And we compared uh, freshly propagated yeast with active dry yeast. And we show no significant differences um, in the final product. We, we have evaluated, the, obviously, the different parameters like the esters, um, flora notes, fruity notes, um, bitterness, astringency, uh, the body. 
and uh, all were uh, we found no significant differences between uh, this comparison okay um, of course i think there are there are a lot of experiences uh, in in the brewing industry some people say that uh, maybe when during the first generation is they see some differences um, we despite is not uh, there's nothing in this study about that today we we couldn't confirm that that there are really significant differences between the first generation of Antibra yeast and freshly propagated yeast uh, maybe this is something we need to do and to confirm in the future and I think something also that's important to note is the research done at the Brewing Research Institute shows, um, at least the information that we have on here, shows the, the range of these different parameters, the different characteristics of the beer, over 11 brews of freshly propagated yeast. And then one control beer that was produced in the same time frame versus the active dry yeast of the same strain. This, in this case, it was uh, a lager strain. And really, the interesting thing is, with those 11 freshly propagated yeast, the range is fairly narrow in terms of the profile that was detected. And with that, almost every single one of those parameters is within the same range. There is one, I believe, that is outside of the range, but it's really not a significant difference that it could have been, you know, just testing wise um so it really shows you know with the same strain whether it's freshly propagated or dried yeast you end up with the same profile of the beer we used to hear about problems years ago where uh, cells could rupture during rehydration if the instructions weren't followed properly is that still a concern today oh that's a good question <laughs> we have recent studies about that um and in fact um because of course this is one of the most common questions we have for, for from brewers okay um we did a, a lot of studies in fact after this study we presented last year um about different we different rehydration conditions okay um we, we tested a lot of different conditions a lot of temperatures um we finally concluded that uh, really the loss of viability uh, is really uh, very very low uh, uh, when you follow normal brewing practices okay it means that um, we used to to believe in the past that we we need high temperatures to hydrate the yeast to have a very gentle uh, agitation and today uh, we know that this is not true, that you can hydrate the yeast under different conditions and probably better adapt to the brewing practices. Um, that, uh, those studies uh, are very important for us because now we launched one concept what we call easy to use. Easy to use is something new in this, in this market. It's something that says that you can hydrate the yeast very safely and in fact you can add directly to the world without previous rehydration. We don't see uh, significant differences when we fo follow all these different practices. Uh, this is something we are starting to communicate right now, and there, there is hard science be uh, behind that. Very cool. Yeah. 
So the sorry, just to add to that a little bit. So the study that we ran was on <clears throat> on different media. So whether it be water, distilled water, wort of different concentrations. In addition to that, we did temperature of the water or wort. So we were testing a lot of different parameters uh, to see, you know, is there really a condition that is more beneficial or a condition that you really want to avoid? And it was a communication that we made, like Marcelo said, for years that you have to rehydrate in water and you have to have a certain period of time at a certain temperature. And that would be in a different tank than your fermenter which leads to a lot of complications for the brewer. So the information that we've seen um, recently, the information that we're starting to communicate on is that those different parameters aren't negatively affecting the yeast in either performance or in the finished beer. So what that allows is for the brewer to add the yeast directly to the fermenter and avoid any possible infection in the water or you know any complication in handling that rehydration solution outside of the fermenter and just add it directly to the fermenter and let the fermentation take place your poster also mentioned the use of active dry yeast in bottle conditioning do you want to talk about that at all Yes, you know, following the, maybe the, the Belgians are the, the, the more expert in terms of bottle conditioning. Uh, what we did some years ago is uh, to, to find the, the best strain for, for bottle conditioning. Basically, what we wanted to do at that time is to find a easy strain that could perform in extreme conditions. Why extreme conditions? Because you have a lot of alcohol, um, a lot of toxicity in the beer. Um, so you, have, you need a very resistant strain for that. But also something very important, uh, when you do bottle reconditioning, recon uh, one of the things you need to avoid is to change the sugar profile of the, of the, uh, of, of the primary uh, beer. It means that, um, for example, if you have a lot of maltotriose in the primary beer, you want to keep that maltotriose and uh, without fermenting because that's part of the of the of the beer uh, uh, flavor. Um, and what we tried to find with what we tried to find at that moment was um, uh, an easy strain that can ferment at different uh, conditions. Uh, extreme conditions but then uh, only fermenting um, dextrose which is the sugar basically added to the fermentation okay so avoiding the consumption or assimilation of maltotriose and uh, uh, just to avoid over combination for example and the other thing to add to that quickly is just that you know i've seen in breweries across the u.s and into canada that's because that's where I work, but some breweries will be using the yeast that they use for primary fermentation to apply to bottle conditioning. And the problem that you see with doing that practice, among other things, but one of the majority issues is that you have yeast that has gone through fermentation. So the yeast has been exposed to alcohol, whether it's low or high, the lowered pH of the beer, which is generally lower than the start of fermentation and the yeast has worked for a week or two weeks and that yeast at the end of fermentation won't be 
necessarily as healthy as yeast that you're starting with. So the 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 benefit to brewers adding the second strain that isn't going to affect the carbohydrate profile of the beer is only going to ferment the simple sugars, is neutral in character, and is really robust, is that you'll have a consistent bottle conditioning over time. You're not, you're not throwing any additional variables at the yeast other than the different types of beer. But because of our studies, we found that F2 in specific is able to handle those, those more challenging environments. All right. What's the next frontier for active dry use at from at Fermentis? What are you guys working on now? D- developing new strains or something different? Yes, we are always trying to develop new strains. Okay. There are, we say that we have a, a pipeline full of uh, R and D projects, and the idea is to have one, two, or even three strains per year. That's we are working very hard. Of course, the demand of the market uh, is changing. People uh, is asking for more easy strains to diversify the, the products. Um, we take in consideration those requests in order to to launch new R&D projects. It's not easy to, to, to launch easy strain in the market because it requires a lot of R&D work. So not all the easy strains can be dried. And also for some of them, you need to find the right protocol. So it takes a lot of time it's not something that you can't do from one day to another that was kevin lane and marcelo Serdan here on the master brewers podcast you can view charts from the studies we talked about by downloading their poster from the 2017 master brewers conference proceedings available at mbaa.com store Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin.